Good day, everyone. I'm a little tired. I'm a little off today. I had a long day, but I am still Tony P, and this is still Tony P Oddcast. Do you listen to the show? Do you watch these videos and you think, hey, there was a different story he should have used? Well, go to TonyPodcast.com and click on the button that says submit a story. I may use your story on the show. It'd be great. It would help me out. It'd be a lot of fun. You heard me mention video. You can also follow the show on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Tony P. Henderson. Let's do it. Let's get it started. Let's get it popping. I'm ready. I'm awake now. I'm excited. West Virginians are campaigning to replace Confederate statues with Mothman. Yeah, you've, you've heard the news, I'm sure. There's a lot of, not about Mothman, but a lot of cities um, taking down some of their Confederate statues. But in West Virginia, they want Mothman. They say Mothman is a hero for the working people. Jay Sisson, Sison, Susan. Sorry, Jay, is a 30-year-old teacher who's lived in West Virginia his entire life, and he makes a point to decorate his ninth-grade classroom with storied champions of the state's past. The brave but often misunderstood heroes pinned to the walls represent a certain rugged individualism and perseverance that inspired him as a child, and he hopes it does the same for today's kids. It's also no coincidence, they're all cryptids. You got the Sasquatch, the Flatwoods Monster, and most importantly of them all, Mothman. According to Jay, I want my students to love their home to make it better despite all the problems that exist. I want them to see the good that exists here, like Mothman and Sasquatch. I want our community to beat the odds, and the Mothman can embody that spirit because it's ours. It's a symbol for something bigger. It represents West Virginia. Not surprisingly, then, Sison has joined the growing chorus of West Virginians who want to replace the statues with Mothman. As a West Virginia native, I'd like to think we're all spiritually connected to Mothman, said Brianna, a 24-year-old who helped spawn the movement. It's not just some flash-in-the-pan post, either. To many West Virginians, Mothman carries more significance than any Confederate general. In fact, the legend originated in the town of Point Pleasant when locals spotted a man-sized bird creature. This actually happened uh, before a silver bridge collapsed that killed 46 people. It was quite unfortunate, but they're blaming it on the Mothman. Mothman continued to appear around other major disasters, uh, including a 1999 Russian apartment building and attracted Hollywood interest. The movie The Mothman Prophecies, you remember that? Richard Gere and Laura Linney? That's about the Mothman. In 2002, Point Pleasant even held their first Mothman Festival, where they unveiled a 12-foot metallic Mothman statue. And they opened the Mothman Museum and Research Center. So this isn't no joke. This isn't just something like, oh, it'd be funny. No, these people in West Virginia are serious. I um, I wasn't familiar with the Mothman until I, I, I saw this story. And the statue was fabulous. He, he glistens. He's silver. Um, there's a lot of people that think he is very sexy. Apparently he has a nice behind and, and the people of Point Pleasant, West Virginia are proud of their Mothman. So we have certain stories, oddities, and bizarre pockets of the state that are unique to our region. And we find a sense of comfort in sharing these things together. You know, 
true story. And what, what made me really have to tell the story of the Mothman is I'm obsessed with the oddities and bizarre pockets of the state. Um, one of my favorite sites is Roadside America. And if ever I find myself out of town, I'm like, let me see what, what Roadside America has to say. And, and there's always some weird and wacky, um, thing to see in a state. And I, I think they're the greatest. I think it's very unique. It's, it's modern day Americana, something that I love. And so I am all for the Mothman. Uh, recently a 22 year old created the Mothman bot account on Twitter, which I need to go follow right now. In fact, I'll do it as soon as I'm done. Um, which has 24,000 followers. And, and he believes the appreciation for Mothman comes from a feeling of people that are either what he says are othered or isolated. And, and at the end of the day, in a lot of depictions, Mothman looks soft and furry, and you can't think of him as a friend who would protect you from all kinds of terrible people. Let me know where I can sign West Virginia. The story comes from CNN. It is out of Thailand. Two Thai restaurant owners are given a 723-year prison sentence for a seafood scam. Two people whose names I am not even going to attempt to pronounce sold vouchers to customers that entitled them to use their seafood buffet at an extremely low price. Uh Uh-oh, but later on, they reneged on the promotions, and people are pissed. Prosecutors said they were aware that their offer couldn't be fulfilled. It was impossible to sell such high-quality food as advertised. The U.S. would disagree. We sell a lot of cheap food, probably not high-quality. And and prosecutors also said they had no intention to fulfill the conditions of uh, of their deal. The pair, whose restaurant was named Lame Gate Infinite, huh? I don't speak Thai, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to Lame Gate Infinite for seafood. But anyway, they were arrested and have since been detained. So an interesting thing about Thailand, they often issue lengthy prison sentences owing to multiple counts. But thanks to other Thai laws. It means they won't serve more than 20 years. So I don't understand. It, it might just be a you know a weird tradition type of thing. Prosecutors said 347 customers had purchased the promotion after it was advertised on Facebook, which offered the seafood buffet for $3. The pair pleaded guilty from the beginning of their court proceedings, which helped them reduce their sentence, which was originally 1,446 years. But since they confessed... It got knocked down to about 720 years, but because of some law, they'll only do about 20 years. I joked, but even 20 years is a lot of time for a damn seafood scam. You know, I'm not going to get into the stuff over here in the U.S., but you can do a lot more for a lot less time. That's, that's, That's all I'm saying there. Seafood's one of them things where I just don't want cheap seafood. I'd rather just not get it. The idea, I, I've I've eaten cheap hamburgers, I've eaten cheap chicken sandwiches or whatever, you know, because we have a ton of it in, in the States, and so I know it's cheap. Maybe seafood's easy to come by in Thailand, but the idea of discount seafood is always just not set well with me or my stomach. 
All right, the stories come from AP. We're jumping over to Cambodia. I'm telling you, we're going around the world today. Authorities in northwestern Cambodia have scolded a man for his lawn decorations. What kind of lawn decorations? Pink flamingos, maybe? Uh, uh, something tacky? Nope. Old landmines containing live explosives. So let's back up. I, I we just I just in another story talked about these dudes in Thailand that that will serve twenty years in prison for selling some Facebook seafood coupons, and this dude and I quote got scolded for live ammo in his yard. About thirty unexploded munitions were hung from a tamarind tree and scattered around the man's yard, said Ken Shring, an official from the Cambodian Mines Action Center. So apparently in Cambodia, there is a government agency that oversees uh, the clearance of mines. It's They have a lot of mines in Cambodia, so much so that they dedicated a government agency. Ken Shring, who went to the man's home to collect munitions for destruction, said they were all left over from three decades of civil war that ended in the 90s, but most of the mines were still active and dangerous. I don't know how a mine... Something has to power it, right? I'm not a mine expert. So I'd imagine, like, what power source or how, how does that work to still be active 30 years later? He said the man used to be a junk collector and had gathered the devices from rice fields and forests near his home to sell his scrap. The man, whose name was not released, told Ken Shring that after the government banned the sale and purchase of the landmines, he didn't know what to do with them. You know, that's that that's kind of messed up. Like... Hey, man, I collected all these landmines. Hey, they're illegal now. You're going to get in trouble if you have landmines. All right, well, now what? You know, you try to throw them out. You're going to get caught. You're going to get in trouble. Like, what What do you do? I wouldn't think hanging from a tree is the answer. I mean, I get it, man. Sometimes I want to, I don't want people coming to my house either. I haven't found a great solution to that. Sounds like hanging landmines may, may be a good one. I don't know if they work. Like, can you just bump into them and they explode? I don't know. But. In Cambodia, violators of the ban are rarely, if ever, prosecuted because they're generally poor villagers who were just just doing some scrapping. So it's the type of thing they said, hey, don't do it again. You get scolded. They'll pick them up and they'll get rid of them. The man's house is in Bantanay, Michi province near the Cambodian Thai border. Hey, I, I, I do not know um, geography very well. I didn't know we were right next door. Come to find out. Fun fact for the day, there is an estimated four to six million uncleared landmines in Cambodia. Cambodia, no offense. I love you. I love your people out there, but I'm probably not visiting anytime soon. Like how how do how are people not stumbling on these things? This story is from the Daily Mail. Aspricia Cumbria. I had to look that up. I was like, that's not real. That is made up. Apparently it is real, and it's in England. They could have just said England. I don't care which area of Cumbria, Aspertia, you know, England. A couple who never planned to have any children have revealed they now have a huge brood of 11. How did they reveal that? Were they hiding kids before? Like, oh, we didn't want to have kids. Surprise! We have 11 back at home. I know everybody knows you got 11 because I know they're talking about you. Joseph Sutton, 35, and his wife, Nicole, 30, live with their eight daughters and three sons. 
in their three-bedroom home. The couple envisioned a quiet life, and the thought of children never entered the equation when they first met back in 2005. But after falling pregnant with their first daughter, who's now 14, the babies just kept on coming. I do not have children, so I apologize if I'm mistaken here. But I'm pretty sure that's not how babies work. They, there's, they don't just keep coming like, whoa, what's going on? It's not like humans have litters of babies. You know, you had to have done something and then some time happened and you knew these babies were coming well before you got to 11. Even though visions of fancy cars were swapped for a 17-seater minibus, the couple say they could have never dreamed of being so happy and they love their big family. I don't have any kids, you know, like, however, Joseph admitted that it's sometimes been a struggle in lockdown. You think sometimes maybe while we're all stuck in the house and you have 11 kids, he said, people ask how we're getting on and they say they wouldn't want to be looking after them. Some days it's harder than others when we're tired, but they're in a routine and they all get on most of the time like brothers and sisters. However, his wife, Nicole, who's clearly a crazy person, said lockdown has been brilliant because we haven't had to have as much routine and we're not rushing to get out of the door. We're having barbecues or lazy movie days and we're making memories because we'll never get this time again. Nobody's ever bored. That's for certain. To top it off, they both work. Uh, Joseph is a full-time coach driver, which I think might be taxi. I don't know. And Nicole is a part-time shop assistant. Nicole spends half an hour making 12 beds, washes three loads of clothes a day, and hoovers, as they say in England, which is vacuuming five times a day. I have one bed that I spend zero minutes making never. The mother says it's all about routine. Everything is laid out the night before, uniforms, toothbrushes, dishes. I gave up on ironing years ago and just used the dryer. Me too, ma'am. Me too. Picking up toys is constant, and Joseph does the bath and bed routine because he leaves before the kids wake up, so he misses all the action. How do you bathe? I'm sure, you know, some of the kids are old enough to bathe themselves, but still, I know these people can't, they have no more than two bathrooms. They probably have one. How? Somebody just ain't going wash. I'm just, I'm just telling you now, if I got 11 kids, eight of them are dirty. At the end of all this, it says the couple never planned to have such a large brood, with Joseph recalling, we never wanted a big family. I didn't even want children. <laughs> Why would you say that? Like, I guess that's what you say after you have 11. I didn't want these kids. I don't know what happened, but I'm glad I've got them all. It's good fun. It's a madhouse, but I wouldn't change it. You are lying to everybody, sir. And this last story can't be any more perfect out of Kansas. <laughs> it's no secret. Divorce can get ugly, but sometimes they even veer on the ridiculous, as is the case of a Kansas man who asked an Iowa court to approve trial by combat against his ex-wife, specifically with Japanese swords. According to USA Today, the samurai wannabe is 40-year-old David Ostrom, who told the court that his ex-wife, Bridget, had destroyed him legally. Yeah, that, that sucks, man. You know, divorces are tough. And, and I get 
you know, it's it's a rough time. You lose a lot of money and whatever. Thus, to him, it only made sense that they settle their custody battle using a tradition from a culture he most certainly knows nothing about. The sword battle. He said it would allow for him to duke it out with his ex or her attorney on the field of battle where he will rend their souls from their corporal bodies. Now, you may be saying to yourself, oh, did you mean to say corporeal? No. He said corporal bodies. To add to it, Ostrom asked that the Iowa District Court allow him 12 weeks of lead time to either make or find some samurai swords, preferably a katana or wakazashi. My man's going to go to uh, uh, what, what kill Bill and go get one of the super crazy Hanzo, a Hatari Hanzo sword. He went on to say, to this day, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted, and it's a right in the United States. Ostrom went on to say, my man, he has a lot to say, went on to say that the antiquated method had been used as recently as 1818 in British court, which is 200 years ago and not in the U.S. and not Japanese swords, but whatever, man. According to the Des Moines Register, Ostrom's request came from his frustrations with dealing with his ex-wife's attorney. He said they were being absurd, so he wanted to match match their absurdity, you know, step by step. So, all right, we've come to that. We're battling with swords. Now, it wasn't all one-sided. To be fair, he added that his ex-wife was well within her right to either choose her attorney as a champion or a stand-in fighter because women aren't all capable of wielding swords. I've seen Game of Thrones. Um, you know, if I can pick who I'm about to fight, I'm good with that. I'll run my mouth. But in Game of Thrones, you're like, yo, pick a champion. And they had uh, the mountain come out. So he needs to watch what he says. You have the freaking mountain come over, and then you're in trouble. So, of course, the attorney had to respond. And the first thing he said was, I think Ostrom meant corporeal, <laughs> which means having consisting of a physical material body, not corporal, which is a military rank. Ostrom, who unsurprisingly has no experience in sword fighting, responded that trial by combat wasn't always won by death. The duel could also be called when one of the parties cries craven and yields to the other. So now he's saying, by not accepting this fight, they are crying craven, and he is the winner, and so... He should have custody of the kids. I said it last episode. I don't mean to harp on it. Considering I just talked about 11 kids and a sword fighting match at this very moment in time, I'm glad I'm not married. And you know what? That is it. I was tired when we started. I'm still a little tired. But just like that, we are done. If you got this far, please rate and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can support the show at patreon.com slash Tony P. Oddcast. You get commercial-free episodes of the podcast and unreleased videos. So this one's easy. This one is easy. You may have had a bad day. You may be tired. You may have a lot to do. But at least you do not have 11 children. <laughs>